Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to our ninth annual trade deadline wrap-up. Danny LaRue is here, of course, but if you are a new subscriber, want to remind you about all that Dunked On Prime has to offer, including my chat transcript from a couple of days ago, which I think looks pretty interesting in retrospect uh, with everything that happened here and our cap sheets, uh, which are as up to date as they can be given the information that we have. But if you have questions about how this has changed the financial outlook for some teams going forward, that's a great way to look at it. We think that those sheets have some added value over what's publicly available in terms of the projections that we're providing with cap hold draft picks uh, etc and of course john hollinger and i will be wrapping up with his takes tomorrow exclusively on dunked on prime if you're listening on the free feed hey you still have probably about another 24 hours or so to try our free trial and listen to the entirety of this episode rather than just the first half of it so danny i think what is the singular team at least among the ones that actually did something today <laughs> that you that you found the most interesting that you're most eager to discuss the Dallas Mavericks and it is because they made a series of they made a series of different right moves now. Do you and feel like the 31 31- made a series of different sacrifices to facilitate those moves and i think that it wouldn't surprise me if paralleling other teams that we've talked about in the past where these are moves that make some sense now i'll be deeply critical of one of them but where the pain is so far away for now that the that things will coast the people who are running the mavericks now probably won't be running the mavericks then considering the sale and transition and everything else like that and so it for them it's like they 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 did some really interesting stuff in terms of like kicking cans like basically trading future resources in exchange for present upgrades that other teams didn't do yeah and much as people have thought that the suns have been like so ridiculous and going all in and stuff like they've actually started doing some things that other teams are doing as well such as trading swaps for picks uh, which the mavs did which the suns may have done again we don't exactly i think have every single detail on what they did with memphis and let's see if we can get that while we're talking here and the mavs are doing that now where and i think on the flip side teams like say oklahoma city like san antonio both of whom dealt with the mavericks like washington teams that are in rebuilding mode they're accumulating so many assets that they can say all right you know what we'll trade something real for just a swap we might even never get that swap but it doesn't matter where we're actually just gonna play roulette here and hope that you're bad and hope that we can swap in 2028 and we'll give up a actual tangible first round pick that we know is going to convey i think in the past front offices probably would have been too conservative to say well i'm not going to trade something that could end up being literally nothing for something that we know is something but in reality you do that with players all the time you don't know who's going to work out you don't know where these picks are going to fall exactly so uh, particularly when you have so many bites at the apple you can take these kind of high risk swings and so I, i applaud front offices just in general for getting more creative to find ways to come to a deal that in theory benefits both sides for especially for these teams that are so impacted with their picks going forward let's start with this Danny let's just go through what Dallas did just from their perspective and then I want to just run through like what their rotation is going to look like now before we analyze it further the Mavericks made two primary moves with a third that facilitated and so um the first they both were with the Southeast Division first was with the Charlotte Hornets where the Mavericks sent Grant Williams Seth Curry 
and a top two protected first round pick to the Hornets in exchange for PJ Washington and two second round picks. That's correct, right? Yeah, the na- we don't know the exact nature of those two seconds yet, uh, at least as far as I can tell. They might actually be semi-decent. And, and that also, uh, Dallas was utterly bereft uh, of seconds just about. And so getting those just to have some ammo to do some things in the future will be useful for them. We don't know which seconds. And there is some real variance there because the, the Hornets have their, they functionally have their own 25 and later. Um, they, There's technically a light protect. There's an extremely like heavy protection on one that they owe to the Warriors. But then they also have some other ones from other teams. Like it could be they have Boston's 24 second. Like that's probably the least valuable second that exists right now. And so we'll see which which one's there. And then let's do the other move. So the other move kind of, it was actually reported first, but then we knew that there had to be other things. And so Daniel Gafford goes from Washington to Dallas. The Wizards received Rashawn Holmes, who has a lucrative player option for the 24-25 season. Those guys actually make almost identical money for the current season. And then Gafford's contract runs a little longer. It's, you know, it's this year plus two more. So it's a longer term contract. But Gafford has been a meaningfully better player than Rashawn Holmes. And so the, one of the questions was, well, what in the world are the Wizards getting here because of how impacted Dallas's first are? And what Dallas did is in order to get an extra pick to send to Washington, they did a separate deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder where they exchanged a swap right in 28 to get the third best of the Clippers, Thunder, Rockets, and Jazz pick this year. So it's a 2024 conveying pick. My expectation will be that will be the better of the Clippers and the Thunder picks, but we don't know which of those it'll be just yet. And Yeah, but that's almost certainly going to be in the bottom five of the first round. Exactly, because maybe the bottom falls out on one of on one of them. And so that could make it a little bit better, but they're both doing really, really well right now and have no incentive to take their foot off the accelerator. So here is your Mavericks team right now. Starters, I'm guessing they'll probably still want to start Derek Lively. Daniel Gafford, pretty similar player to Derek Lively. Don't know how long he's going to be out with this nasal surgery. Kyrie and Luke obviously are going to start. Probably Derek Jones Jr. We'll see whether Dante Exum would still start when he comes back. They might go P.J. Washington now starting at the four next to Derek Jones Jr. Uh, Then you've also got Moxie Kleba fitting in somewhere at this point. But I think part of the reason they went after Gafford was because they felt that Moxie Kleba was a health risk and just was slowing down so much offense. I think he'd only taken like 13 shots at the rim all season, granted in limited time when I looked at it about a week ago. And then they've still got Jaden Hardy, who probably won't play that much for them. They've still got Hardaway Jr. Exxon will probably be coming off the bench as well. And Josh Green. Josh Green, probably not going to start for them. He'll probably come off the bench. So they they have pretty good depth, which is good because they just seem to be so injured all the time now. And so that's where they end up. And then what they sent out, obviously, they like Grant Williams was a player that they just they felt like he didn't fit anymore he shot it really well his first month then he was struggling maybe if he annoyed them from a personality standpoint which he apparently does sometimes and so i think that was part of the value here that can't really be ignored was them moving off for rashawn holmes dead money for next year they acquired him thinking maybe he could help he couldn't uh, of course they also got the number 24 pick omax prosper in that deal and then they also swapped washington for grant williams which is kind of a hilarious swap of two relatively unwanted free agent power forwards who both uh, languished in restricted free agency. Grant Williams ended up going over in a sign and trade. Don't forget, of course, that this is Dallas gave up a unprotected 2030 pick swap to get Grant Williams for Reggie Bullock, which I, if they had just held on to Bullock and then traded him for PJ Washington, they might have not even have had to include as much to get PJ Washington. Uh, so that move clearly a failure, but they were willing to admit that at least. So not that's your team. PJ Washington, how much does he help the Dallas Mavericks? Not not that much to me. And Washington is a there. There's this group of players who like I I like significantly less than the general consensus. And for Washington, there are a couple of reasons for it. One is broadly speaking, when he is a power forward sized player who would be great offensively and has been great offensively as a stretch five at times in his career, but absolutely cannot play that position defensively. And so there are teams that can do that. Maybe you can get more rim protection at the four, or you have really good play 
point of attack defense, but you can do that. The other one is I think PJ Washington has benefited from how unwatchably terrible the piss, the Hornets have been Pistons also um, the last couple of years where three years into his career, right? Okay. PJ Washington, he's making 38% of his threes taking at that point, it was 5.4 per 36 was his career average. You know, okay. You know, like that's, you can do something with that. And, and the rising value three pointers since then, his three point attempt rate has gone up 6.5, 6.8 per 36 the last two years. But the actual making of three pointers has dropped significantly 35 last year, 32.4 this year. And so you can argue that PJ Washington is a better shooter than he has been. And he is going to get better opportunities with the Mavericks than he will. He has ever had before because that's what the Dallas Mavericks do is they generate clean shots for these players. And I mean, PJ Washington, he's been below league average true shooting. He's been below 55% true shooting or 50, 55 or lower four of his five career seasons, including the last two. And so he's a limited defender and he's not as good offensively. It's, it's a lot of the criticisms that I've levied on Kyle Kuzma as well. But PJ Washington is a, is a more limited player who hasn't flashed on a good team the way that Kuzma has at times. And he has a lot of similarities to Grant Williams. He's a better offensive player in theory. We'll see whether he actually makes more spot ups than Grant Williams would. That's uh, the, there's certainly some skepticism that you said there. It's justified. Can he do maybe more off the dribble, more posting up against mismatch? Like, okay, maybe a little bit, but like, how much does Dallas, which has a really good offense, need that? Is the thinking that he can maybe play some stretch five for you, or maybe he could play with Kleba and just give them a little bit more size? I think the whole stretch five small ball thing isn't going to work as well now that they have Kyrie and Lucas is still you know he's getting a little older I don't think he's really going to be that useful on defense at any point and so I think they kind of came to the conclusion with Lively they've looked their best there so you bring in Gafford to give you some athleticism and in theory maybe you get 48 minutes per game of really high energy rim running shot blocking center play and so I'm not sure like where PJ Washington fits in maybe they feel like Dante Exum can't help them like I thought the idea of Exum and Derek Jones Jr. playing together to give them more point of attack defense and then with a rim protector behind it looked pretty decent and maybe just Exum and Jones are blooms off those roses and they're going to start PJ but to give up a first for him and to take your coffers now potentially in the summer from three first round picks you could include in a deal down to two and only top two protected this pick is in 27 and I guess it's a straight 27 pick we didn't hear about it maybe being first available draft in 26 so and who knows what happens to it if it's in the top two this might even be the first ever top two protected pick that's ever been traded i think i can't recall another one just like a one-year top two yeah it might be yeah i can't ever ever recall seeing it top two protected for any particular year i mean there's been top one protected oh no there have been there have been top two protections that is a thing that has happened a few times before okay i would love to Um, know one there but it has not um dan had a couple of them well in any event that i it's Somewhat ancillary, but it's uh, just for for future trending purposes, I, I guess worth worth noting. Yeah, so I, I just, I mean, PJ Watching has shown some moments moving his feet. You know, maybe you feel like he could give you more guarding Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James than Grant Williams could have, and he's got a little bit more size than Grant Williams. Maybe that's that's what they like there. I'm skeptical of the idea that he's going to be a better defensive player than Grant Williams, and I'm just not sure that the offensive upgrade even is one as a spot-up shooter, and or that they'll use his other skills. So yeah, I just, I never, I never thought that P.J. Washington would go for a first. Yeah, they got these seconds back. Maybe those are good enough that that's a lot of the value is getting those back and then getting off of Grant Williams. I didn't think Grant Williams like so terrible of, of a contract. Maybe they just, they really hated Grant Williams uh, after spending three months with them. So yeah, this was a, a bit of a head scratcher for me. What about the Gafford component? That's significantly more defensible. At least Gafford fits in with what they, what they want to do. He's, you know, can protect the rim. He can rim run. He will be thrilled with the ecosystem change going from the Wizards to the Dallas Mavericks, where they're, going to be players who can give him lobs constantly and even if Derek Lively is ahead of him in the pecking order there should still be plenty of opportunities for Daniel Gafford he already has his contract you know he's has this year and then two more fully guaranteed so it's a circumstance where it's not like he you know being a backup is going to hurt his bottom line in the near term 
And so that part of it, I get. And Rashawn Holmes wasn't what they wanted him to be. So swapping Holmes for Gafford is a significant upgrade, even if that's not what Dallas necessarily expected when they made the move with OKC at draft time. But they gave up something material, something potentially significant for it. And this ties in with my kind of like the Mavericks aren't considering the long term consequences theory here because. Yes, a pick swap means that you're not giving up a pick. You're you're getting a selection at some point, and there is a distinct chance that you're not giving up anything, that the your pick ends up being... I, I wouldn't consider it too distinct, considering the two teams they've swapped with well, then that, like that's, two teams that's, with some of the best young talent. That's exactly where I was going to go, is that this isn't swapping with another, like older team that is going to be like, like with let's say the Clippers or with I don't know the Warriors or something where they could be in a downturn so maybe there's a chance that you're both like that any year is there's variance for any team but Oklahoma City has arguably the best young core in the NBA San Antonio has arguably the best young player in the NBA and those are the two teams that they have swap rights with and so for Oklahoma City's perspective to me even though you are giving up a real first round pick it is a late pick and they have plenty you're doing so for something that has a whole hell of a lot of upside and it you and I did a broadcast for the NBA strategy stream and the trade that I picked is like we didn't really have criteria but like my favorite of all time was Danny Ainge's move with the Celtics to get rid of KG and Pierce and get not only the picks but also a swap and the swap is how they got the pick that was Marco Fultz and then eventually became Jason Tatum that was that was a swap not an unprotected first and that risk for Dallas and that upside for Oklahoma City makes a huge difference to me and so if I were to I think Daniel Gafford's going to make them better I don't think he's going to make them that much better I don't think he changes the arc of the Mavericks but the not only the possibility that this ends up being really juicy but just the lack of flexibility that now in, in case they wanted to trade something out or like a swap right in 28 now you're telling the other team great you get the you're what you're getting here is the worst of our pick and the Thunder's pick and when it's the worst of those two then you have to bet that both of them are going to fail and I think teams aren't going to believe that for a while man it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015 and I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and I ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm. It's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us yeah, now they're basically out a four-year block of picks from 27 to 30. And to believe that there's, you, you'd have to think one of those years is probably going to be top 10 unless they retain Luca all the way to 2030, which I would say today's moves make me less positive Same. on that. Uh, and they could end up being kind of the situation that the Nets are in where they think, all right, well, we're just going to move Luca, and then we'll at least be semi-respectable. We'll get some players back for him, and then we'll have all of whatever teams draft uh, trades for Luca or, or their young players up then. But you know, you're not going to get back championship quality assets probably in that deal. It depends how long they wait for it. So ultimately, I think while they got more good players in, they've been pretty injured. Like this depth should help them in theory. They just got two more guys that I don't think of as playoff level starters. And they gave up another two years of draft to do it. Gafford is like an okay center. Like what he's probably, you know, in the 25 range or something as a center. He can't play that many minutes. He fouls a lot. He also can't really guard in the post, which is kind of a problem. Same thing with Derek Lively. They have athletic rim runners. And I think, you know, having Gafford will boost their offense to just have someone who can dunk all over everyone. And just his rim protection. He's not like an amazing pick and roll craftsman defensively, but he challenges a lot of shots. He fouls a lot, but he, he, he at least uh, is a deterrent there. He is also the center on the league's worst defense. <laughs> so he's not exactly <laughs> like a defense unto himself. And it's not like the Wiz have been good defensively. But I, yeah, I think, sure. Can you want to argue that, hey, maybe PJ Washington, Daniel Gaffer, like there, there could be more there than they've been allowed to show on these shitty teams? Okay. But like, I don't see either of those guys as a championship level of starter. And you just fired a lot more of the arrows that you have, even potentially going into the summer. So I, I've said before, like Jeremy Grant would have been my target. Okay, maybe an unprotected 27 pick wasn't enough to get him. Maybe they feel like they want ostensibly younger guys who are under contract for, well, not that uh, Grant isn't under contract, but they just, they ultimately just have an upgrade. Like they, they added two more seventh men. 
to this team of all seventh men other than Luca and Kyrie. It's uninspiring for me. And it's not for me the idea of it making it more likely that Luca ends up in a different uniform at some point. It's partially that they they don't have that high level upside right now. And it's partially because it's harder for them to get it now. Because if yeah. they do have plenty of salary filler, sure, you it's easier to move Daniel Gafford as we expect things in a future year. And he's probably easier to move PJ Washington, though I'm not 100% sure of that. But you don't have these other picks and salary filler. They're not like huge pluses. It's not like you're getting, you know, a player that's going to really help you there. And so burning a few assets to maybe not even get better or to get slightly better, but not in ways that affect your closing five. Like that's just it's foolhardy. And well, uh, those guys may close for them in their closing five, but they you know, again, you're not looking at those guys being like, oh, these this is like a high quality starter. And they those guys are cost controlled. They're under like decent contracts. And maybe they're movable again. Maybe they're more palatable than Rashawn Holmes and Grant Williams were. But yeah, I mean, particularly giving giving up a first to go get a backup center. Like that's what they did. Like Derek Lively is their starting center. I don't know if he's better than Gafford or not, but he's probably going to start for them. All right, maybe Gafford will start and Lively will back him up, whatever. I think it's either the beholder who's better between those two. And presumably by next year, Derek Lively will be a better player than Daniel Gafford. You're, that's kind of your hope. I mean, maybe you'd say, well, we got Daniel Gafford, and now if we need to trade Derek Lively in the upseason to make like a huge upgrade, we've got a Lively type of player at center. Maybe, maybe that's where this ends up. I, I mean, I, I, but you know that we don't like the move when I start just doing this. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Oh, maybe this is what they're thinking. It's like, that should probably be obvious what they're thinking and obvious why it's good. And I can't say that uh, about this. Let's look at it from the Hornets. Uh, well, let's do Washington first. Uh, and, and then we can move to the Hornets because they wrapped in with some other deals as well. From the Wizards perspective, they did downgrade at center, but they did get a center on a shorter contract. And the Wizards, it seemed unlikely after the Marvin Bagley deal that they were going to be real spenders in the summer of 2024. That is I would say it, it is less likely now, though they theoretically they could like wave and stretch for Sean Holmes or do something else they really wanted to. But I expect them to, you know, to, to see where the market is and considering the quality and price of their draft pick, I think it'll be there. And for their trouble, for that downgrade, they got a bottom five pick in the first round this year. I think that is a reasonable proposition if you didn't think Daniel Gafford was going to be the center on even the next good Wizards team. I, and, and Gafford, he's very replaceable. And when you consider the time horizon for the Wizards, odds are a capable seven footer is going to fall into your like in a fall into your path, whether you take them or not, whether that with one of the draft picks that they have, including potentially this one, you'll have that or the mid-level exception for whatever year that is the best player happens to be a five or a team is salary dumping one and you get in there. And so for me, the marginal benefit, the marginal cost of downgrading at center doesn't matter that much. They're a bad team that's going to be bad next year, too. And the benefit of, you know, even if it's a late first in a year that is considered a weak draft class, so that's almost always about the top, not the middle or the bottom, that's, you know, that's a reasonable piece of business. Yeah, I think so. To get a first for Gafford, I didn't understand why they were going to move him unless they could get a first. And now they, they've found one, even though, even if it's, oh, in this dreaded 2024 draft, like I, I still think it's it's worth moving. And, and I just, I appreciate their approach to rebuilding. I congratulate Ted Leonsis for finally doing this, for bringing in Michael Winger and Will Dawkins and empowering them to actually do this rebuild the right way, even if it's not, oh, Daniel Gafford is a starter for us. Like, no, anyone that you can, when you're in this circumstance as a team, anyone you can get that's not like a tentpole young prospect that you can get a first for, you should probably move them. Now, we'll see whether they are correct that Kyle Kuzma could get them more in the offseason. Supposedly, Kuzma wanting to be there was part of why he wasn't moved. And the Wizards and the Blazers having really high asking prices on their power forward accrued to the Hornets' benefit so that they could get a first to, for P.J. Washington. You know, you still wonder what was out there for DeLon Wright. Obviously, Tyus Jones, they couldn't get a first for him. I'm sure they would have moved him. I'm not sure who the team was that wanted to give up a first for Tyus Jones. So I think at that point, I probably would have just held on to him as they did. And and this probably augurs that they, I mean, with it, even if it were a sign-in trade for Tyus Jones, right? Let's say, let's say he wants to go somewhere 
for above the mid-level. They can facilitate that. They can probably get some of what they might have gotten for him just to, at this deadline. Uh, it's You figured or, or, once or Monte, yeah. You could Sorry. even see them go the Kuzma path, which is you re-sign yeah. the player to a contract and then you eventually move them because we know there will be point guard needy teams during next season. Inevitably, there will be. And you, as long as you can get Tyus Jones, which is the challenge, to a contract that other teams will be interested in, um, yeah, I, I don't know that Tyus Jones has first round value, like just n- no oh, matter what agreed. contracts he's on. Right. Like like because he just he's not like I, I thought Minnesota was uniquely situated for him because they have all this other amazing length and they have a, a salary structure that won't support, you know, a twenty five million dollar a year point guard. So but I mean, the Grizz, I'm sure, would have loved to have traded Tyus Jones for a first a couple of times like he re-signs with the Grizz like there wasn't a team that was out there willing to pay him as a starter there still isn't and he has a lot of for a playoff team bring him in he has these defensive limitations so he may just perpetually be like if Malcolm Brogdon although he wasn't traded but if he's perpetually gonna get traded for the last pick in the first round like Tyus Jones would perpetually be traded for like the 35th pick in the in the draft okay. uh, or or be signed for like two million more than the middle level exception whatever the middle level exception is yeah on it on exactly a two-year deal (laughs) so you know with the whiz i i I understand a lot of teams we're gonna be critical of for not moving their guys tyus jones with the whiz particularly because he just gives them some stability at point guard which i think is important for their young guys the whiz already have so many second round picks that they don't need like that many more and with kuzma i'm really unsure like yeah it they're it doesn't seem like the offers were particularly robust yeah. right now. King and, Sam Amick reported the Kings weren't interested in him as we thought they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And there will be more first round picks available in the summer. Kuzma's contract descends, so it'll be it'll be palatable at that point. And with so it would have basically been is there a team that really wants him for the twenty four playoffs? And it appears that there was not. So generally speaking. I'm I'm understanding of that decision without knowing these specific offers that were on the table or that will be on the table in 24. We're just making our best guess. Transitioning to the Hornets, do you want? Let's wait to talk about the Hornets in the macro sense um, until we get through everything that they did. But in this specific deal, I absolutely love this from their perspective. I just talked about how I don't think PJ Washington is as good as the general consensus, and Grant Williams can help them foster a defensive identity. He may be one of the few players that is actually excited about being in Charlotte right now because he grew up there. Incidentally, so did Seth Curry, another player involved in that trade. So how those how those gentlemen interact with being both now in the city they grew up in, but also on a truly terrible team. We'll have to see. But Williams, Grant Williams and Mark Williams now can help provide the defensive foundation conceptually for for the Hornets. And they didn't really I don't think they needed too much of what P.J. Washington offered. And to get a first round pick, even if they're giving up two seconds of we don't know the exact provenance there. I'm not sure that P.J. Washington is going to would be a better player over his contract than Grant Williams will be for his, especially if you consider what the Hornets need relative to instead of what the Mavericks need. Well, and particularly because the Hornets have plenty of usage guys now. They've got LaMelo. Uh, they've got Brandon Miller, who's really come on lately. And uh, we'll see what happens with Melrose. I would like to actually just uh, go through everything that the, that the Hornets did here. Uh, because I, I think it's, number one, it's just such a marked departure. I mean, first to get Terry Rozier out the door for a first. And then to get another first uh, for P.J. Washington. I mean, I, that's that's great work to me to pick up two firsts for those guys. So, again, they're kind of... You know, fringy-ish starters like, and they kudos to them for handling the PJ Washington restricted free agency well enough to get him on a contract that then could be traded for a first round pick. Like that's they really actually did a good job. Like, when's the last time we said, "Oh, the Hornets, man!" Like they really handled these situations well. And is that Mitch Kupchak just getting different orders now? Uh, You know, how much are the new owners uh, really dictating this, other than just a general "Hey, let's rebuild" approach? But I, I really like what they did. And then what did you think about the, well, let's talk about the Miles Bridges aspect, actually, because word came out overnight that Miles Bridges, who could block a trade because he's on a one-year qualifying offer, would do so and would not agree to be traded anywhere. This is perhaps 
Not coincidental that he did it with after 41 and 45 point games in his last two games, both Hornets losses, of course. And Brandon Miller is playing pretty well now. Also, Lamelo has been out for them. Mark Williams has still been out. I mean, I think there was number one a good piece of business for Miles Bridges because the him going so like the places that were interested in Phoenix is really the only one that was talked about. Like financially, there's no reason for him to go there and be limited to the Suns paying him 120 percent of what he's making now. And I mean, if he continues to play this well, as long as the he doesn't face further legal consequences, he has a hearing in the next month or so. Like he is going to get a sign in trade and get a reasonable contract, or he will end up resigning, uh, presumably in Charlotte. But what's your thought uh, on all that? I mean, it seems like that to me, at least, like that's. That all makes sense to me. It would have only made sense for Bridges to waive his no trade if it were to a team that was simultaneously a better situation and wielded cap space they could actually use. And that was the difference between Utah that between like so Utah conceptually has cap space, but they're going to be using a significant portion of that we expect to renegotiate and extend Larry marketing. So the actual amount of cap space the Jazz have is much more limited. So I don't think that scenario really existed for for Bridges and losing your bird rights for for him would be such a down that would create so it would limit his opportunities because whether that's you know doing in a way like what the Wizards did with Kuzma where you sign a player with the intention to trade them eventually alleged maybe allegedly or you sign and trade or something else like it's a way for Bridges to get more money and to an extent wield more control because he'll be an unrestricted free agent so if he just if if the Hornets don't play ball then he can just sign somewhere else he doesn't lose anything in that respect so i am not surprised by this and the other element of it is that announcing it functionally the way that it came out reported that kind of it it made the story more about bridges rather than anything else it's not like oh he wasn't traded it was i'm choosing like you know it, it yeah. kind of fr- it framed the conversation like f- f- i'm i'm impressed with his representation because it made it a more positive thing about miles bridges than it would have been otherwise and miles bridges needs some positive like, i'm not gonna say needs it like positive press like he deserves it or anything like that but it he hasn't had a ton of it recently caesar's sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with caesar's rewards That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. At Amica Insurance... We know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Yeah, it's a lot better for the branding than being like, yeah, you know, we tried to move them, but we just couldn't get a deal that we would accept. It's much easier to proactively go out there and say, no, we're not going to get traded. Uh, and, hey, you know, it's good PR to be like, yeah, we really want to be in Charlotte. That's what it is. Um, and then the the Hayward component of it as well for Charlotte. Let's just let's go through there and then we can flip it back around to OKC. The Charlotte Hornets traded Gordon Hayward and his expiring contract to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Davis Bertans. Trey Mann, Vasilya Misic, and two second-round picks. We do not know which second-round picks those are. OKC, they have a boatload of firsts and a boatload of seconds, so there's a lot of variance on what that could be. And so we're since we're talking about Charlotte, from Charlotte's perspective, they added a 
capable backup point guard, even though I would say the season hasn't gone exactly as Misic and the Thunder would have wanted. A flyer on Trey Mann, who has not really thrived since he was drafted out of Florida. And then Davis Bertans is more salary filler. But Bertans, actually, I don't think this is going to be relevant for Charlotte, considering all the stuff they've done. There is an outside chance that they could even do what I thought OKC might do, which is guarantee him and then use that as salary balance and trade. But considering Charlotte can just wield cap space, I would, of course, much rather do that than try to stay over to retain Davis Bertans. Yeah, and Bertans, he's five. 0.25 million guaranteed next year so charlotte does take that on but if they want to move on for miles bridges they could have max cap room or pretty and, and, close and to it. bridges doesn't have a gigantic cap hold either yeah they also take on another 4.9 million for trey man so that's and they seven, reduce seven, their caps and, and seven seven for message too yeah oh yeah you're right yeah i mean they basically they match salary and they only get back 12 of that by waving Berton. so yeah they took on almost uh, a little over 15 million for next year but again they still if they want to move on from bridges they still have enough to really sign just about anyone i don't doesn't seem like they're gonna be a huge free agent destination but man is maybe he can fulfill the role for them that james book knight was supposed to those uh practice battles will be legendary uh but book knight had his option declined and man has had his option picked up and uh, he makes four nine next year so that's not amazing salary for next year and okc gets some value by moving on from that as they do the five million from Breton. so this is essentially okc saving money for next year charlotte taking it on and then charlotte getting these two seconds for pay taking on about what did it end up being actually yeah more than more than time i, I ended up being taking on about 17 million for next year but some of that is they feel trey man and vasilia misic can help them some and it, 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 i think they're right about that i think they're right about it in some ways it's reminiscent I, i've criticized okc a lot over the years for getting too little for the spending flexibility that they've offered other teams and in this case they're the ones who gain it but we also we don't know which seconds they are at this moment but yeah i, think I, I would imagine that they're reasonable ones that will have some yeah. i think it'll value. be i think it'll be one that has some juice and one that is more trash but the yeah. the, the thunder have plenty of both and for yeah, that and research you know he he didn't fit into an okc that well because he's not a great defender and they don't really play a traditional pick and roll game like they had his rights from a bunch of trades for philly like it made sense to bring him over but i think he can be a very solid backup point guard in the league on a team like charlotte where he's going to be able to play pick and roll with nick richards and with uh mark williams if mark williams ever gets healthy again so i, I think you can be able to kind of have backup point guard solve which in a lot of ways helped torpedo their season this year to not have a reasonable backup point guard that i think that's and he's just like someone who actually knows how to play another guy who i think can be useful setting up some of, of their young players like i think he's a, a solid backup point guard on a decent contract he just didn't fit in okc agreed on all counts and misich getting getting that kind of like framework and structure for them offensively next year when they presume, presumably could be a very different regime coach wise personnel wise ownership we already know that that could be valuable for them and then Misici's unfully guaranteed for that year but then he has a team option and theoretically because of the un, the weirdness of this if they could decline that team option make him a restricted free agent they could they could do a bunch of stuff there or just clear off the money depending on how the Hornets books are looking at that juncture or if there he's not their backup point guard you can trade him to somebody else so from Charlotte's perspective there the presumably the asset benefit is on the weaker side relative to how much money they took on but they are players who could help them and unlike for the Thunder this is going to be a thread that I talk about in a second burning or using a roster spot for 24-25 on Trey Mann is completely fine like he's they yeah. they need well, some and, young guys and they can always just just wave him too if, if they if want he to just they get into camp and you can get as many yeah. guys as you want in the offseason if he gets beaten out then you can just move on for him. they also only have nine players on fully guaranteed contracts for next year at this moment i think a few other guys will get guaranteed like jt thor and potentially seth curry depending on how everything goes and they have a few they could decide on bryce mcgowan's and stuff and they have a couple of picks of course but they they have the latitude to do whatever they want there and it's not it's not going to prevent them from doing something but that ties in with one of the big 
big benefits for me with OKC. I want to actually start here because otherwise it'll get lost in the shuffle. We, over the years, have talked so much about OKC's roster crunch and the idea like they've been cutting guys that could potentially make other teams. They dumped Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who then got cut and everything else, but like they've they've let go players. In this deal, they traded three players who had roster spots, all three of whom had money for next year, two of whom fully guaranteed for exactly zero players with guaranteed money beyond this year. It is entirely possible that Gordon Hayward comes back, and we'll talk about why that might make a lot of sense for Oklahoma City. But considering, and they also got rid of a 24 first in the deal with the Dallas Mavericks to get that swap right, they've been under under pressure, even if it hasn't led to a decreased quality of their roster over the last couple of years to make everything work. They don't have that pressure right now when it looked like they were going to, yet again, they were going to add in like another three first and have like 15 guaranteed contracts to start the offseason no that's great uh, they only uh project to have 12 under contract for next year maybe 13 depending on if their pick uh, that utah owes them conveyed i also want to go back to the summer when okc had up to four second round pick or sorry first round picks that they owned in this draft 2024 not a great draft so they made a deal with indiana and they made deals uh, with denver to get off the worst of those four picks now they've and that pick ironically now has ended up in utah after an itinerant lifestyle and then now they've moved presumably the second worst of those to dallas and then dallas sent it on for daniel gafford and so now they only have two picks up but it's of course the two best and one of them is houston's which is top four protected and then the second is utah's which is top 10 protected i mean i suppose it's even possible that they don't get either of those that's not totally outside the realm of possibility but yeah they've now kind of reached the point where it doesn't make that much sense for them to have late round first round picks and they are going to focus due to roster crunch on the real premium assets and i think they did a good job maneuvering things around so they take a late first rounder this year move it into a potentially very lucrative swap and they've just continued kind of as you like to say kicking the can down the road you invented that phrase right uh and (laughs) so then there's also the cap space component that they created this offseason which is very interesting i have them right now assuming they get the pick from houston at about 33 million if they don't get that pick and they don't get the utah pick it could go up to a max contract this offseason and of course they have absolutely everything to trade in terms of future draft picks they've also got josh giddy so there's a number of ways they can go this offseason which you alluded to so they could go the, the the full cap space route or they could resign gordon hayward to go into next offseason or, or and or excuse me going to next season with a tradable contract because they don't really have anyone that isn't part of their core that is matching salary right now you know other than like a kendrick williams and i don't depends what well, you and, call and, Josh and rem- part of their core. Rem- reminder the salary floor change in the new cba makes it significantly less possible and less palatable to just roll that space into the year. It basically means now that if you have a big amount of cap space, you have the summer to figure that shit out. You don't get to roll it. You don't get to figure it out in season. And so that could open a door for Gordon Hayward in particular, because he might end up being a better use of it. They could also theoretically go after someone else. They could do a Bruce Brown style contract as well, if they were interested uh, and maybe somebody with less of an injury history, but Hayward. So, so yeah, so cap space. And the other thing I want to emphasize is a possibility you brought up they could sign somebody is an imbalanced trade and there are a number of different potential trade partners that would love the idea that they don't have you don't have to give them any unnecessary stuff like you could think about the atlanta hawks not that the hawks have a wonderfully fit they have a wonderful fit like set of players for what the thunder are looking for but they could negotiate a deal for any of the kind of any of those hawks like if they wanted it to be bogdan bogdanovich and instead of it being oh and you're you'll save money in the future but it has to be about even now for magic salary oh no you can save 15 20 million this year you don't have to take on anything from us you also create a huge trade exception which theoretically a team like the hawks could use and that might be a pathway. I don't, I mean, you know, I would be kind of, my dream for that would be aiming really high. I don't know who that player is right now, but 
The other consideration here is that the Thunder really have until 26-27. That is the year when both Chet Holmgren and J-Dub, Jalen Williams, will get their, their new contracts will start, whether they're extensions or restrictive free agency. The challenge for the Thunder is that you kind of need that big splash to expire around that point unless ownership is willing to pay the tax and that might require like being in the championship hunt before then so well you could also just have that big splash still be a positive player that you can just trade for something at that point too absolutely if you can pull that off then you can do that as well and like that's part of the vision for like uh fred van vliet and a few other guys that have signed in recent years so for okc it's not like they can spend, you know, give a give a 30% max this year for five for four years because it'd be a new player and then just be fine with it. But they do have some they do have some capacity. And I wonder they can go big game hunting in a way that very few teams have been, even though they don't have premium like they, they have volume of assets, not really premium assets with how well the Rockets have played this year relative to expectations. But they have options and they have some really good options. Yeah, and they'll be able to kind of have their pick of the litter, even of role players on one-year deals, right? Like, you know, they could offer Nick Batum a one-year $18 million deal or something like that. You mentioned Bruce Braun is another example of that. And they could also stay over. They could renegotiate and extend Isaiah Joe and Aaron Wiggins and then drop their salaries down onto movable deals and then also re-sign Hayward. And they would still be able to reuse the room exception as well in that case. Case, or they just stay over the over the cap completely and use the mid-level they uh, have a lot of directions that they can go i hope they do go the cap space route finally and get somebody interesting in there uh, we'll have to see uh, how that ends up working out but I, I think the thunder to me had another pretty good day to get off of guys that didn't fit that weren't in their plan for next year open up this space not have to give up a first and to also get a potentially very sexy asset that may never convey but how much were they getting out of the 27th pick in this year's draft anyway with this current team and no way to develop that player the way they used to so yeah i think the thunder had a very good day uh, so to go back yeah. briefly to the Hornets, I think sure. I didn't love this trade for them, but overall, I thought they had a very good day as well. Getting a first round pick for PJ Washington, the Washington Grant Williams marginal swap we're going to have to see over time. And if we're including it as the trade deadline season, I think they were one of the biggest winners because they were able to get a first round pick for Terry Rozier. They were able to get off that money. They got, you know, they, unlike some of the other teams, they were able to mitigate the risk of it potentially going worse from here. And this is the direction that they should have been going in for years. The Hornets would be in a better place if they have done this at any point in like the last three years, but better late than never for sure. Also, congratulations to Davis Bertans, who in a matter of days is probably going to be the highest paid player, active player on the Hornets. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, and Gordon Hayward keeps winning at the business of basketball, too. He got a trade bonus paid out, as far as we know. I don't think he waived it. Uh, And he's going to get to be on a 
a playoff team, and then he could, I think, has a pretty good chance of getting oh, yeah. we, re-signed oh, yeah, we didn't, in OKC. We didn't talk enough about Hayward on the floor for the Thunder as well. Like, he could be a really nice yeah. fit for what no, they want. No, we didn't. And maybe even the place to start with that is if they wanted to re-sign him and they move Josh Giddy in a deal, he kind of fills that role as maybe sort of a tertiary creator. Uh, Hayward, to me, has slowed down a lot defensively from his, his heyday and also really struggles to stay healthy, but he'll be in a more minimal role for the Thunder. And offensively, he's a guy who doesn't take anything off the table for his teammates, works well as a connector. He'll play with some toughness. It's just a question of whether he could be healthy. But in terms of the Thunder making this financial transaction, all those, like I would have done it just for a purely expiring contract. The fact that Hayward may actually be able to help. I've forgotten what his latest injury is. I'm gonna, <laughs> maybe it was uh, deadline-itis uh, recently. So they're definitely going to have to handle him with kid gloves, but they know how to do that there. They certainly do. So let's see. Who's our next kind of most interesting team? Uh, I have one. Okay. The New York Knickerbockers. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly. And they only made one move, <laughs> which was reported in like five segments because of just the way that that happened over the course of the it day. It seems like that always happens with these Knicks-Detroit trades, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. With the like, what picks? What picks? What picks? And the um, the and the players in that the Kemba yeah. Walker, the, the Duran, the Duran deal. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was Alec and, Burks being traded from the Knicks to Detroit. So that's that's amazing, Danny. The Detroit got picks to pick up Alec Burks from the Knicks and then trade him back to the Knicks on the same contract. Isn't this the same contract? They did, or did they resign? Is. Yeah, I don't think they resigned Alec Burks. Yeah, about a year and a half later because they opted him into his team option. The trans- that's amazing. The the full transaction as we know it. The New York Knicks receive Bojan Bogdanovic and Alec Burks in exchange for Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archidiakono, the Knicks got rid of a Villanova guy, and seconds. We do not know the nature of those seconds just yet. And for the Knicks, this move accomplishes a couple of different goals in one fell swoop. It gives them functional rotational depth. I mean, Quentin Grimes was playing for them, but not. But now they add Bogdanovich and Burks. Bogdanovich in particular could loom large if Julius Randle's injury lingers, which maybe this is an indication that it might. And because he can, you know, fill some of the three, four minutes that are opened up and then you could figure it out from there. So you add more playmaking, you add more guys who can who can shoot and play off ball, but can also play on ball when Jalen Brunson is not on the floor. And you add at least one, potentially two, if they re-sign Burks, what you've kind of called rollover guys. And basically the idea here is that the Knicks may make their next big move in 2024-25. And part of why it was more logical for them to add pieces that at least could have a 24-25 component is that for matching salary purposes, and if they're doing a move in the offseason or if they're doing it during next season, they didn't want to have to do one of those moves that was built around players that actually are important for the Knicks. And so to have Bogdanovich, who has a lightly partially guaranteed $19 million for next year, and they could theoretically do something with Burks, that gives them the latitude to fill a trade for a major player where the benefit for the other team is primarily assets rather than the players they're getting. Yeah, and OG Ananobi also has this elbow bone spur issue now as well, and it's unclear how much time he might miss. There's maybe even a possibility he would need surgery, although that would probably still put him back by the end. If if he's out for a couple weeks, then Leon Rose can apply for a disabled player exception. Yeah, Mitchell Robinson back at practice now. Uh, or, or no, he's supposed to be starting basketball activities at, after the break, to, Tom Thibodeau said. Yeah, so just getting more guys. They can also potentially even re-sign Burks uh, and use him as salary fodder as well. Although they're with OG Ananobi's new contract, they may be struggling with the tax. But I think they actually could still, they should still be okay to re-sign Ananobi and keep Bogdanovich on the roster. It really helps when you have Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle making a, a combined only $51 million for next season. And they didn't have to give up a, a first round pick to get them. Now they did give up Grimes, but Grimes, it seemed like, you know, he was going to need an extension, not next year, but the year after. And he was a little bit disgruntled. He'd lost his starting role. He wasn't as good as Dante DiVincenzo. They got Ananobi as well. So they kind of have more three and D type of guys on the wing and they needed more shooting and more creation. Burks can slot in as a semi 
point guard on the backup unit which Grimes wasn't giving them and whether you want to say that it sounded like the Knicks were trying to get a late first for Grimes that's what he was drafted as that's probably about what you would say his value was maybe it was even less than that also worth noting Grimes has got this knee sprain right now we may find out that that's maybe more severe than anticipated so I think this is really good work for a Nick team that until Ananobi went down and Randall went down was playing at the level of a team that could be possibly the second best in the East. The demise of Philly is maybe another reason for the Knicks to try to go for it and see if they can't get the two seed. And and when with the opportunity cost this low, like they added players who can help them and they gave up Grimes, who it seems like was kind of on the outs and the players who Grimes is losing time to weren't expiring. You know, it's not like, it's not like the, that time is going to open back up again and he might get an opportunity later on. And then some seconds, we don't know how good those seconds are, but generally the Knicks don't have any, as far as I can tell, they don't really have premium seconds. They have they have volume, but they don't really have premium ones. So I don't I don't think the cost to them. I mean, I guess you could say like maybe the there's like a 29 one that could end up being good, but whatever. Like in the, in the scope of everything, and so to get those players who can help them and who kind of fit their salary structure, I think that's a very good deal. And if Ananobi's contract comes in higher than you think, or you can't make it work, or James Dolan should just pay the tax if that's the case, Bogdanovich is partial has a light partial guarantee you could always move that or you could do something else with someone else like the the Knicks the Knicks don't have a lot of thing of negative value on their books right now which is a very good thing for any team but especially for a team that might want to do something bigger in the future that involves consolidation or aggregation yeah I think the Knicks for future trade purposes moving Grimes rather than a future first is definitely useful there's some talk that Detroit was maybe trying to get their first back from the Knicks it turned out that wasn't the case and for Detroit's standpoint you know we talked about the Fantecchio deal yesterday and one of the themes that we had was they just need to put at least somewhat of a real team around these young guys to help them develop and also be at least slightly more competitive it's too late for that this season Uh, and I think Grimes is the second component of that and contractually Grimes and Bontecchio are they're going to be restricted probably not going to require massive deals to come back they'll get a look at them hopefully yeah and, and Grimes is under just to be clear on the difference Fontecchio restricted in 24 Grimes in 25 unless he extends yeah and, and so this is kind of what I've been asking for the Pistons to do is to just put guys who can defend and shoot the ball around their good players instead of having them smashing their heads into the paint around into the five centers that they're playing uh, in addition to Cade Cunningham and now it'll be a chance for Cade to kind of prove where he's at and Detroit didn't do anything to hurt their flexibility in the offseason in fact they opened up even more uh doesn't look like Fournier is necessarily going to be bought out uh he does have a team option for next year if they wanted to move in a trade or they can just move on from him uh, we'll see maybe Fournier well I mean be on the buyout they'll, they'll market, need but... to keep Wiseman's capital on the books to give him his next contract so then then they might as well stay over but <laughs> yeah but he, but the business will have could... 61 million in space yeah next and, and, and Fournier could help them this year if he wants to and and because Fournier makes more in the mid-level he has a narrower group of potential buyout suitors we'll talk about that at length a little bit later and I agree with you. And so for the Pistons, this reminds me a lot of the Raptor as like a bargain basement version of the Raptors moves where it would have been better to trade the exact players they traded previously. They could have gotten more for Bogdanovich. They could have gotten more for Burks from what we know if they had moved them a year or more ago. And they should have moved them at the deadline last year. They should have moved them in the offseason. They're moving them now. That said, Grimes is a player who makes sense for this team. He has done some point of attack defense. He can he can shoot the ball even if he wants more of a role within the offense. I think that's a nice fit with Cade Cunningham. It's a yeah. nice fit with Simone Fontecchio as well. And with I mean, the Pistons' wing defense unless they were playing Asar Thompson, who has his offensive limitations, was so awful to add Grimes and Fontek. I mean, they're not like premium options, but they are a massive upgrade on what they were trotting out there a lot of the time. Without being horrendous offensive play, they're not Asar Thompson yeah. from a shooting perspective. And so that will make life easier on Monty Williams. That and it's the it's the funniest thing about like, and they moved on from Killian Hayes, that, that will come up later. But Monty Williams was making these choices of defense over offense at the beginning of the season, but the players were so awful offensively that it totally didn't work. Now he well, it didn't even that, help their defense. It also somehow. didn't help their defense. But 
now they have players who are more palatable in that respect. And so I, I think that's, so again, it's, that's the parallel with the Raptors. Like, I mean, they didn't get an Emmanuel quickly in this deal. They didn't get some of the other things that, the, you know, I, and they obviously didn't get three first run picks like they did for Siakam. But first of all, these are weaker assets. And you, we can, we'll cry over spilt milk with both of these situations, though probably a lot less now than we, we have in the past. And you just have to make the best move you can at that point. And while I argued very publicly that Troy Weaver should not be the Pistons general manager of the deadline because of how poorly he has run this team, he had a pretty good deadline. Yeah, I think he's gotten a little bit of religion finally. He should on still the be whole. fired though. <laughs> to be to be abundantly clear. Like he did a good job. <laughs> Kudos. Should still be fired. Same with Mitch Kupchak, by the way, who had a very good deadline, should absolutely be fired. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine Mitch at his age will be moving into a, a consulting role relatively soon. What, for Jordan Brand um, or something? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it's it's more about uh, for both of those that there's maybe is a, a new vision coming in. Maybe some of that is Monty Williams wanting to go more towards an offensive style like he had in Phoenix, where they spread the floor more instead of playing with two bigs. And same thing with the new ownership at, in Charlotte. And yeah, you can look back and say, yeah, what would they have had for Bogdanovich last off season or at the deadline? Like, would they have had two firsts? That's what they were looking for. Maybe they didn't get it. Would they have rather had just a way in the future, unprotected first for Boyan for last trade deadline for some team would you rather have grimes it probably i would rather have that way in the future unprotected first for this team and troy weaver does one thing he does do is he really he's much more interested in trading for players than draft picks it seems like even if it is young players but i think grimes is a more reasonable second draft bet than some of their these guys they've gone after particularly because he does actually fit with the the players that they're trying to develop and of course they'll have another high draft pick this season and one would think next season as well pistons also well, took well, wait, on wait 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 yeah. just just briefly the, the funniest potential rollover situation um with this pick would be if the pistons ended up being good enough that they conveyed their 25 first to the knicks it's not going to happen i don't think but it, it would be very very funny yeah well it's protected all the way to 27 <laughs> um 20 tw- yeah. 22 27 so 200 years from now no <laughs> that will do it for part one of our trade deadline wrap-up. We have over an hour more available exclusively to Dunktown Prime, but you can listen to it for free with our free 30-day trial. Link is in the show notes. Please give that a shot. And of course, you'll get all the other great features of Dunktown Prime, Danny and me, five days a week, every Hollinger and Duncan. Everything is ad-free. Access to our Discord, access to our Discord chats, Dan Feldman's Daily Dunks five days a week in written and audio form, Seth Partnow's writing, and of course, uh, our caption sheets which we think add a little bit of extra value compared to what's out there in the public sphere with the projections that that we offer over multiple years including cap holds draft picks to try to give you a more precise picture of each team's finances going forward hope to see you over on dunked on prime after the episode with john tomorrow which is exclusively on dunked on prime that will be it for our 30-day free trials this is your last chance to get in and see what dunked on prime is all about Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 